Thanks for listening to the Dakota Town Hall Podcast, a political podcast focusing on Western South Dakota. Brought to you by the Home Slice Media Group and Elevate Rapid City. City Council Questions. Please introduce yourself and tell us what you are running for. My name is Walt Swan. I am running for an alderman, Ward 4, North Rapid City. Um, uh, the first question, I guess, is what, what can the city do that, uh, so that people can find affordable housing? I think one of the things that I, I think that this was a big question for me. Um, one of the things I, I think we need to do is is to make access for people. Um, and they're calling it a digital divide for people who don't have the Internet. You know, um, one of the things that uh, I think the work needs to continue in affordable housing, the actual real affordable housing as defined by HUD. Um, but I think that the access to that information really needs to kind of. We, we need to get access to people. People need to understand where the housing is and how you apply for it and how you create those. Um, you know, let's take, for instance, you move to Rapid City and you don't have anybody, you don't have any 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 resources. So you end up living with relatives. And if they don't have Internet, and if you don't have Internet, then you, then it becomes a walk or a drive around town to try to find those resources. So I think that that access needs to happen. But I also know that we we also uh, we, we need to find we need to have housing available. But we also have to have jobs. You know, the, the one thing is, is that, you know, we we do rely on tourism. We do rely on that um, is one. Of, I think it's our second largest industry here. I think that that sort of thing needs to be addressed, that we need to have the jobs available as well. Um, the last thing I think we need to do is we really do. Uh, and in the talk and work with the city council right now, looks like it's going to be uh, it, it does look like they're. They're looking to address that, and I'm hopefully that work will continue after COVID-19, and that we can get get back on those. I've been looking on the internet, and I've been looking at uh, uh, places like Collective Impact that they provide decent resources, you know, and they really do do a lot to help us, as well as the Hope Center. So I hope those were, that we can continue work with the private sector and continue work with nonprofits as well as you know businesses to create this, uh, create. Uh, something that would answer our afford, real affordable housing. Um, I think that's it. <laughs> um, we talk about uh, our, what more can the city do to help its residents with mental health and addiction needs? Um, Personally, I think those are two two separate issues. I think that there. I, I think that um, mental health is. I, I think that mental health right now is in need of a West River facility, especially for the extreme extreme cases for you know for mental health uh, mental health issues. Um, right now, it's if you have an extreme mental health issue, you're on your way to Yankton, and you know. Think about that. If you have to uproot everything that you everything that you're working with to to address a mental a severe mental health issue, and you have to uproot everything. You have to up and, and go to Yankton and come back and come back. If you're still in West River and you're dealing with a mental issue or a severe mental issue, and you were able to go to a West River facility, I think that that I think that we need to work with the state. I think we need to work with the county. I think we need to work with everybody uh, because that issue is not is not just is not just 
an issue for Rapid City. It's not an issue for Pennington County. It's an issue for the state. I think that the more people we get involved with that, I think the better off we're going to be. Um, as far as addiction, one of those things is that we, we um, again, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that I, I do support that we do need to find. We do need to find uh, things, uh, I guess, facilities or resources for people with addiction. It's a it's a tough issue. I've I've had to deal with that several times, you know, throughout my life. There's been, you know, uh, people I know have become addicted myself. I've I, I've sought uh, sought help with the VA, so uh, the Veterans Affairs, um, really a Veterans Administration. I'm sorry, um, but. It's really been a, you know, those types of things is finding resources for addiction, but you also have to have people who realize and create those opportunities for people with addiction. Because addiction is one of those things is it, it, you really got to want to have, you really got to want help and to make a change before. I've had many people tell, tell I've been, I've told many people you need to get help or you need to get help. You need to get help. And it's like a broken record. We need to, we, we need to find a, a resource for that. And we really do. It's, uh, addiction is a big issue, especially among the native community, native community. Um, it's, it's one of those things that I think I can help with having experience with it, having personal experience with it. I think those types of things are really, I, I think that would be a really great thing if we could address not those two issues, mental health and addiction as two separate issues rather than just one. Uh, what do you think? The, uh, do you think the city should go from Dylan's rule to home rule? And what do you see the advantages of each? Uh, I was a that that's a, a great question. I really I had to think a lot about that. And I had actually called a couple people about it. And I really had some good, deep conversation with a lot of people that were involved. And, um, one of the things that uh, I would see was a, a, uh, one of the things I really would like to stress is that a committee has been formed and they they need to do their work. They really Really do they've they've got to work on the COVID nine their COVID nineteen plan or not or once they get past the COVID nineteen they need to get back to work on that and I think that we've got some intelligent people that they've put on a committee that and strong people that they put on this committee that could really make a good recommendation of whether or not we're going to move to home rule myself I think uh, the home rule I think is one of the advantages is the reduction of legislative legislative interference that we're able to make a, a decision about our city here um, I I like it you know it, it reminds me of tribal sovereignty it reminds me of saying hey we're local we we can make these decisions ourselves. Um, I think it gives it it, uh, it gets uh, gives a greater voice to citizens in the government. I think that home rule I think is is one of those things where we really really seek citizen involvement. And I think um, I know Native Americans don't vote. I know that they don't uh, they don't go to the polls very often. And that's been uh, historic here since since the early 80s in Rapid City. I would like to change that. But home rule gives us that opportunity, even if you don't vote, that you still get a voice in 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 government. That was one of the one things. Uh, Dylan's rule, it does. I One of the things that I would like to talk about, you know, is it's hard to customize a solution locally. But 
I do know that with Dylan's rule, that it can be seen as a guard. You know, it can be seen a guard against like a runaway city government, which right now we have a strong government and we have a strong leader. We have a strong, we have strong, we have, we have a strong city government. And that's important, especially when you're looking at home rule and Dylan's rule. But one of the thoughts that I really went through my head was, what happens if we don't have strong government? What happens if we don't elect a strong leader? What happens if, you know, the, for for any part of this, we don't have this? And we start to have things like grafting, you know, using, using pe- people using their political influence and creating opportunities for themselves rather than for the people they represent. That was a that was a hard pill for me to swallow. But I do do think that I do think that. Home, if you were to put home rule against Dylan's rule, I think home rule is actually what we need, is actually what Rapid City would benefit from, given that we have strong leadership and we continue to elect strong leadership. Um, what changes should the city do to cover the expected shortfall in the revenue due to the COVID-19? Um, I think they took a really positive step the other, uh, the last meeting on the um uh, when they when the the mayor had uh, said that he was going to work on it and bring back a bring back an ordinance to amend the budget, I think that it's a great start. And I say a great start because um, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know how long this COVID nineteen is going to last. So if it continues out into 18 months before we end up with a vaccine or we end up with some sort of safeguard that it's safe to return to school, it's safe to return to the businesses. I think that I, I think that we really need to talk about we really need to talk about the, the budget cuts. I would rather see budget cuts than I would property taxes because I own a business. I also I also own my house in Rapid City in the north side of Rapid City. I you know, those are two things that I, I would hate to see. We would have more taxes, but I do know that we have an infrastructure to fund. And that infrastructure does include fire. It does include it does include recreation. It does include, you know, uh, the, uh, the police department, those types of things. So I would really like to see I would really like to see a, uh, a thorough examination of the budget again. And I think the I think the mayor, Mayor Allender, did a wonderful job of outlaying that in his presentation. I mean, it was like I didn't have any questions that I was going to ask him, but I really enjoyed that he worked with the city heads. You know, those are the experts that that we hired, that the city government hired to run our departments. And they all got together. Uh, That was a great, great response by uh, by the police chief, uh, uh, police chief Jagers, when he answered, you know, we all work together. These were some of the things that we felt that we could as as a department cut in order to and still keep Rapid City safe. So I thought that was a great response by him. Um, I do um, I, I do need to uh, I do need to commend the recreation department as well. I know that was a hard decision to close the sitting uh, the swimming pools. I've been getting a lot of calls on it and I really was would like to recommend uh, really like to to say that, that that recommendation to close those was was probably a, a heartfelt recommendation. And I think that, you know, it was uh, looking at it from a financial standpoint that when he when when uh, Mr. Bigler had spoke and said, you know, we we actually 
on our best day don't make don't break even. I think he he was looking at the fiscal response, fiscal part of it as well, and that was wonderful to hear because you know you look at it, it could be a possible place to spread to spread COVID nineteen the coronavirus. It could be could be a place to to congregate, and I think that it took a lot of heart to do that. So my my hats off to that to that manager as well. Um. What criteria or measurements do you think the city should use to allow a freer environment or to establish restrictions because of COVID-19? I know that they they did a lot. They did a lot. They, the, the city council did a lot. They and the mayor looked at the CDC recommendations. I know that I talked to I had talked to a few people who was close to the situation and I know that they they wanted to do the right thing of keeping the city safe. And when they looked at it, I know that the, the, the part about it was, was that they were talking that it only applied or it only really, really a, a was going to affect 8% of our businesses. Well, the, the part that as a business owner and as, a, as somebody who owns a business, those 8% actually affect the other 92 so it's not just confined to like eight percent of the businesses and say, well, we're going to close, we're we're going to close, or we're going to restrict your business. That eight percent actually affect the other ninety-two percent in some way or fashion. With us, I said, well, we'll we'll take for instance my own my own business, Hesapa Enterprises. Um, one of the things is that when the schools decided to close, or the schools decided to follow the recommendations and close, and the and the governor closed them. We lost business. We did. We're school based. We almost we almost skated to a stop. But the part about it is, is I was looking at it as a business owner saying, do I want the kids in there getting sick? I do. I want somebody in there putting them there at that risk. That was a that was a tough piece for me. Um, but I do know that my uh, I did know that it caused me as a business owner to become an entrepreneur again to look for another business to look for something else we can focus on using my using the resources that I have in my shop and I, I that would be my encouragement to the other businesses as well and I've I've talked to several businesses that are looking to do that to reinvent themselves to kind of create a, a recession proof and some of us don't have the resources to do that and we're looking at loans and we're looking at other things to to try to help us out and I, I get that. I do. As a business owner, I do. Um, but as far as the restrictions, what was some of the things that, you know, and I talked about this with several people. Um, and there's talk of tracking and tracing. You know, as a school administrator, as a former school administrator, um, the part about it is, is that we, you know, when, say, a weapon enters a school, tracking and tracing becomes very important because when somebody brings something into school like that, somebody else knows. And, they're a, and you're able to track and trace back to the source and able to get to where you need to get. And that's an important piece that applies the same thing to that. Uh, that would apply the same same place with where we're at with these businesses. If somebody were to contract, you know, say uh, COVID-19 and you were able to track and trace it back to say one of the businesses that were in the 8% or in the 92%, you're able to at least narrow it down and say, well, maybe this business needs to, you know, alter its practices or so that we 
we're not contracting COVID-19 or we're not spreading the, the virus all over. And I, I, like I said, you know, and one of the things that was said in the, in the council meeting was Bill Evans had pointed to it exactly. It was where we've moved from uh, of 50 states, we've moved to number one. And that's, that's not a distinction I would like to have. So those are my thoughts on that. Um, in the, in this current business environment, do you think we're, uh, there should be any changes to the plans for the mixed use facility on the corner of Fifth and Fifth and Saint Joe. From my understanding, now this is conceptual. You know, I mean, they haven't actually done any architectural plans, and but they are looking at uses for parking of parking garage, retail business, and housing were the three things that I I had taken from my research of looking at it, and and um. So I was, I looked at it and I wrote one thing I really would like to change and I've seen in other cities and I thought it was the best use when they started to put up thing was that they started to look towards green energy, that they started to look at re, uh, renewable uh, resources for energy. They started putting up, um, they started putting up solar powers and they put up windmills actually to, to really help, maybe to help light a, a, light a, uh, a parking garage or to, to help with, uh, to make it a sustainable part. But I think that we we need to start taking these steps as well in Rapid City to start looking at solar power, to start looking at wind energy to help us. And that's my, those are my personal thoughts. And I really would like to see something involved in, if we're, if we were to get involved if, with that or uh, with the mixed use facility, I think that would be one of the things that I would be looking at. Um, what are one or, uh, what are uh, one of your, of two priorities you would like to accomplish during your time on city council? And that's one thing is that I really, really push forward three things that I would like, that I made my platform on is safety, safety for all citizens, you know, that keeping safe, keeping everybody safe, uh, creating fiscal responsibility, you know, um, reviewing where we need to cut, where we, uh, and in these times of you know, financial hardship, it is going to take somebody who has been a fiscal manager, and I have been a fiscal manager for for the government, so I, I understand that, but also not staying focused on what it is right now with the COVID, with, with just staying in, in the COVID mindset, but also saying, what does it look like afterwards? So I want to look forward to this. But I do know that we have to be mindful of being in the present and being good stewards of people's tax money, that we're actually able to create uh, create a good financial situation for the city without without looking at raising taxes or doing other uh, other things to I, I would love to attract more businesses. I would like to create these opportunities. But the number one priority that I have for this is I would like to represent all of North Rapid as a Native American, as a Lakota, as somebody who has an insight of saying, I'm, I'm able to do this job. I do, ha I do have the qualifications to be here. I'm a, I, I'm a Black Hill State grad. I'm a Penn State grad. I have my master's degree in educational administration. I'm, I, I do want to be here. I want to give that voice to North Rapid City, to, to use my qualifications to create an, uh, a culturally diverse representation of my ward 
That's what I would like to do. That would be my number one priority in creating a safe environment to being fiscally responsible and to look forward to what we have. Um, the multi-use, I would like to go back a little bit to that multi-use facility. I think it's one of those things that we would really benefit from if we were to celebrate our diversity. That the, the theme would be to celebrate not only the, the not only the West, but also the Native American culture, that we would also be able to, to celebrate that some way, somehow. That was one of the dreams that I have for General Beal was that we would celebrate that diversity and we would be able to make children successful. And it, it's a wonderful model. And I think that it could work in the city, in the city model as well. Um, I have diverse experiences. I've worked with other cultures. I've worked with the Black Collective. I've worked with Latino Central. I've worked with, in Tacoma, Washington. I've worked with people from from Cuba in in Florida. I've worked with I've worked with tribes. I've probably worked now with over a hundred different tribes here in the United States. I want to represent North Rapid. I want to represent. Ward for. I hope that you're able to to see that I have the qualifications and that I'm able to and I'm able to communicate very well. I'm able to communicate without disruption and I'm able to communicate with uh, a level head. So please, if there's anything that you would like to do for if there's anything you could do that would benefit Ward for, that would be to elect Walt Swan for for Ward for. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dakota Town Hall podcast, a political podcast focusing on Western South Dakota. Brought to you by the Home Slice Media Group and Elevate Rapid City.